Pastor Xavier Reese and your greatest treasure. Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart, for out of it comes what? The issues of life. Listen, everything around you is there to grab your attention and your allegiance. Whatever I am thinking about constantly reveals the desires of my heart, which in turn reveals where my treasure is. What is it that you're thinking about all the time? That's your God. You see, it must be Christ. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Pastor Xavier warned us of many false practices for holy living. So how shall we then live, you may ask? With today's lesson from the book of Colossians, Pastor Xavier examines the meaning of freedom. That's a spiritual freedom only found in a real relationship with Jesus Christ. Here's today's Bible study, Live the Risen Life. You know how Eskimo hunt wolves, don't you? They take a knife and they coat it over and over again with blood. He sticks that knife in the snow with the blade sticking up. In the middle of the night, the wolf comes by and he smells the blood. So he comes to the knife and he licks it. Tasting the blood, he licks it again. Without being aware of it, he begins to feed off his own blood. In the morning, the Eskimo comes, and all he has to do is follow the trail of blood, and he has his woof. What a picture of so many people in their own bondage to sin, attempting to quench their thirst, end up destroying their lives. The power for a sanctified life comes only through a personal relationship through Jesus Christ as we allow him to live through us. No other way. Paul the Apostle, having clearly laid for the Colossians the inability of these false teachers and their false doctrine to enable them to live above the dominion of sin, He now commands that they live the risen life by the sufficiency of Christ through the power of the resurrection in these seven verses. Let me read our text. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passions, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. Here are the three chief characteristics of the risen life. First, the practical devotion of the believer, verse 1 and 2. Secondly, the practical reasoning of the believer in verse 3 and 4. And then thirdly, the practical obedience of the believer in verse 5 through 7. Notice first in verse 1. 
The believer is to have a heart after the things of God. The apostle tells them that in view of the fact that they were raised with Christ, they were to seek those things which were above. Notice the tense is in the past. They were raised by their faith in the person of Christ who forgave them for all their sins and trespasses in chapter 2, verse 13. Past tense. The command is simply to keep on seeking those things which are above. The phrase identifies the desires of the heart. Notice that. That should be pursuing heavenly things. The desire of the heart. This is what he's concentrating on here in verse 1. A continuous, ongoing practice. Over and over and over again. Notice the command is an important step to spiritual growth and transformation to live above sin nature. In contrast to the false teachers through legalism, mysticism, and asceticism which were based on false humility. Chapter 2, verse 16 through 23. Here's the connection. They're saying you can be spiritual and become close to God through these things. But he finished off the chapter by saying none of these things can even help you not to sin. He says, let me show you what can help you to stop sinning. Let me show you the truth. Now notice the apostle tells them the reason why they were to seek with their whole heart the things from above was due to the fact that Christ was sitting there at the right hand of God. We as Christians want to make sure that we don't just want to go to heaven. Heaven's not our goal. Christ is our goal. I want to be where Christ is. You understand me? So be careful that you're not just, well, I want to go to heaven. Well, what's heaven without Christ? Heaven without Christ is hell. The person is what I'm after. Not the place. Too many people are not after the person of Christ when they come to church. They're coming after a place of comfort. You must comfort the person. The implication is the enthronement of Jesus, the king. He's number one. Notice the position. Is the right hand of God, representing the position of authority, power, privilege, and glory. Over and over again through the New Testament... We read, he's at the right hand. Acts 2, 33, Peter says, he's at the right hand. The author of the book of Hebrews opens up, chapter 1, verse 3, he's at the right hand. 1 Peter 3, 22 says, he's at the right hand. The place of power, place of authority, place of privilege, place of glory. Now, in chapter 1, verse 18, the first portion, Jesus is the head of the church. In chapter 2, verse 10, the first portion, Jesus is the one who completes every person before God. The second part of verse 10 of chapter 2, Jesus is the head of all principalities and power. So you see, the heart of the believer is to be with Jesus. Why? Because he's number one. He's the one at the right hand of God. It makes sense that if you want something directly, you go directly to the man in authority. You ever get the runaround? Isn't it frustrating? You have to take something back to a store. They say, oh, I'm sorry, we don't give money back. You have, you, let me speak to your manager. Manager says, sure, come on in. You keep going up the line. You will get it. Why would you want to go anywhere else? Notice, secondly, in verse 2. The believers, they have a mind focused on heaven. 
The apostles' command then is for these Colossians to set their minds on the things above. He's talked about the heart. Now he talks about the mind. The two must be tied together. When they're not, what you have is a divided heart and a distracted mind. That's very dangerous. Literally, keep on thinking about heavenly things. And the word for mind here refers to more than the way of thinking. It includes values and loves as well. It is the very word that is used to describe the mind of Christ, the epitome of a servant in Philippians chapter 2, verse 2 and 5. Let this mind be in you, which is in Christ Jesus. See, the problem is not that we don't have the mind of Christ, because 1 Corinthians 2, 16 at the end, it says we have the mind of Christ. You know what our problem is? We don't put it on. Often ladies get up, closet full of clothes, they say, I don't have anything to wear. That's an example. Okay? You have something to wear. We just don't like what's there. We have a mind to put on, but we don't always want to put it on because if we put it on, then we have to obey. You understand? This thinking complements the heart desire for the things from heaven. In verse 1. For the believer's heart and mind are to be one toward spiritual things. It's very dangerous to be divided. Very dangerous. Now notice the contrast is to not think on things of the earth. Heaven and earth is a contrast here. This was the practice and priority of the false teachers. He's told us that in chapter 2, verse 8. They focus upon philosophy, empty deceit, according to the traditions of men. The basic principles of the world. He repeats it in chapter 2, verse 20. Things of the earth. This was the caution to the Colossians as to the potential danger and hindrance to the life of the spirit. Listen, everything around you is there to grab your attention and your allegiance. Now, we must be very practical. I'm a Christian. I live in this world. I have to pay taxes. I have to paint my house. I have to be responsible. I have to go to work. But there are other things of this world that I have no business even getting involved in. You know why? Because they're a waste of time and they divide my allegiance to Christ. I can't tell you what that is. We're all different. You have to live as a wise person, circumspectly, not as fools. Discerning the time for the day is evil, Ephesians says. Whatever I am thinking about constantly reveals the desires of my heart which in turn reveals where my treasure is, which all will dictate my lifestyle. What is it that you're thinking about all the time? That's your God. That's the master passion that you serve. You see, it must be Christ. I have to think on Him purposely, intentfully, diligently. It doesn't come natural. It doesn't come natural. Proverbs 4.23 says, Guard your heart, for out of it comes what? The issues of life. Ooh, that's scary. Who of us would be willing to be engaged or married to a person whose heart and mind was not totally devoted to us? And every man or woman that came by, they, they were distracted. None of us. We desire and demand total devotion. Do we not? Then why do we 
demand that Christ allow us to two-time him. It's kind of an insult, isn't it? We are to know that where our treasure is, our heart will be there also by the words of Jesus in Matthew 6, 21. Do you ever think about that? He didn't say where your heart is, your treasure is. I would have said that. He said where your treasure is, your heart will be there also. It can be your wife. It can be your husband. It can be your children, mommies. Your God can be taking up two parking stalls out there. <laughs> Many things can become our God. Might be your bank account. Might be your house. Whatever it may be, you fill in the blank. We are blessed with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ, Ephesians 3, 1, 3 says. You realize that your citizenship is in heaven, not here, Philippians 3.20? For that reason, we are to seek knowledge, wisdom, direction, guidance, strength, and power from where? From heaven, James 3, 17 and 18. It's gentle, easily being treated. The earth is devilish, sensual, not wise. For thinking on earthly things over heavenly things makes a person short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins, 2 Peter 1.9 says. You get too close to the earth. It's like driving the freeway, looking right in front of the bumper. Before you know it, the brakes go on, you go, ah! you crash. But if you look towards heaven, you can see you up ahead when the lights are stopping. Get over real quick. Stop. No sweat. If you're living earthbound, don't be surprised when heaven hits you in the face. You got to be careful. But not thinking on earthly things is not accomplished by not trying to think on them because the more you try not to think, the more you want to think on them, right? So how is it? I just have to discipline to think on heavenly things, on the Word, on the Scriptures, on the promises. I don't, I don't want to think about that. No, I don't want to think about that. I don't, you don't say that. You just turn to God. You get in the Word. You get in prayer. The contrast is between the temporal and eternal. While we look at the things that are seen, but we look at the things that are not seen, but the things that are seen are temporal. The things that are not seen are eternal. 2 Corinthians 4.18. We are to forget those things which are behind and press forward to the things that are ahead, Philippians 3.13 says. So we don't live in the past. We are to have the lightest contact with the material world because the shortness of time and all will pass away. 1 Corinthians 7.31 says. That's a J.B. Phillips translation. The lightest touch. I live in this world, but I don't live of the world. There's a difference. See, we are to think on those things that are lovely, good, pure, so on and so forth in Philippians 4.8. I have to do that purposely, consciously, diligently. See, this is the practical devotion of the believer who is risen with Christ. It doesn't come automatic, but I have the ability. Now notice secondly, verse 3 and 4. We have the practical reasoning of the believer. In other words, why do we do this? Okay, we don't just do things because somebody tells us. We're not quacking ducks. You as a Christian have the greatest ability to think the most critical of all people on the earth. Because you can run everything through absolute truth, the Word of God. You can examine what is true and what is false. 
You are to think. Notice first here, verse 3. The apostle reminds them that they had died in the past. That's the first reason. They had responded to the gospel they heard in faith, chapter 1, 4, and 6. They had put on the circumcision of Christ not made with hands, chapter 2, verse 11. They had been buried with Christ in verse 12 of chapter 2. They had died with Christ from the basic principles of the world in chapter 2, verse 20. They were dead to the world and the things of the world as the course of satisfaction and fulfillment, as the goal of life and the meaning for life. You understand that? Dead. Paul says, listen, you're dead. You ever play Cowboys and Indians when you're little? And you went, boom, bang, you're dead. And you're supposed to fall. You fall. And your buddy starts getting, ah, get down, you're dead. You have to remind him, stay there, don't move, you're dead. Paul is telling the Colossians, hey guys, you're dead. What are you doing being alive to these things? You're dead to them. Notice secondly, verse 3 still. The apostle reminds them that their life was hidden with Christ and God in the present. So he begins in the past, now he goes to the present. This was the present reality in view of their new birth. Having a hope laid up for them where? In heaven, chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. A present hope. They were in a place of protection, provision, and new potential. Chapter 2, verse 10, complete in Christ. They were one with Jesus in such a way as Christ and the Father are. Listen to the words of Jesus. I in them and you in me. John 17, 22 and 23. Amazing. Do you realize the position that God has given to you on the basis of his son? Knowing your past, knowing your imperfect present. <laughs> so he looks to the past, he looks to the present for reason to live that way, as he's commanded. Now look at thirdly, verse 4. The apostle reminds them that they had a future hope, past, present, future. Here it is. The hope of the return of Christ for them. The hope was based on the present reality that Christ was their life, their very purpose for living. What did Paul say to the Philippians in chapter 1, verse 21? For to me to live is Christ and die is what? Gain. That was the summation of Paul's life. Me to live is Christ. Die is gain. You see, the hope was based on the promise of Jesus to his disciples that he would return for them. You remember the night he, before he was betrayed, he was going to leave them, and he told them that, and they started freaking out. He says, let not your heart be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many abiding places or mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. John 14, 1 through 3. That's the first mention of the rapture. To receive you to myself. What a great promise. The hope of appearing with Christ, notice, is what? In glory. The word appear is found twice there. Once regarding Christ, the other one regarding the believer. It contains the idea of being manifested for all to see. In fact, it is used for the incarnation of God in 1 Timothy 3.16. Grace is the mystery of Godliness. God was manifested or revealed in the flesh. Same word. When Christ returns for his church and raptures her into the sky to meet him in the air, he will be manifested in his glory to his church. When we are caught up in the air to meet the Lord in the air, we will be manifested with him 
in glory. We will see his glory. We will be in the same glory. Part of it. And then when the Lord returns to the earth at the end of the seven years of tribulation and great tribulation with his bride, the church, he will do so appearing in glory to set up the kingdom, Revelation 19. You see, the hope of being transformed is also being just like him. We have been made new creatures. All of our sins and trespasses have been forgiven. New creatures, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, our sins buried in the deepest ocean, Psalm 103, 12. Micah says the deepest ocean. We are all presently being changed from glory to glory, even by the Spirit of God, 2 Corinthians 3.18 says. Our bodies will be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of the eye, at the last trump, 1 Corinthians 15.52. John puts it this way. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, but it doesn't yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed or appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is, 1 John 3, 2. Amazing. We're going to see him exactly as he is, and we're going to be exactly like him. I can handle that. That's a good reason to not be sinning. <laughs> the death of the believer to his or her sin nature when they repent of their sins and they accept Jesus Christ by faith as Lord and Savior does not mean that they are never tempted or ever sin any longer. That's an erroneous view. The act of faith is a reality that must be lived out each moment of the day, each day of the week, each week of the month, each month of the year, each year of your lifetime. Romans 6, 6, and 11. You've reckoned the old man dead, and you've got to reckon him dead daily. You've got to put him out of business. When he rears his ugly head, you take it off. You ready for it? This is what Paul is saying. Stop it. You do it to your kids all the time. Parents, remember they're little? They're gonna, Don't touch it. No. That's what God tells us. That's what Paul is saying. Now, if you don't have the ability... It would be unfair for him to tell you no. It would be unfair for him to say stop it, right? So if he's telling you as a Christian to stop it, that means that you have the ability. And you also have the choice to obey or disobey. It's just that simple. The attempt of anyone to accomplish this in their own might will result in willful frustration, which Paul identifies in Romans 7, 13 through 24. You're familiar with it. That that I don't want to do, I end up doing. That that I end up doing, I don't want to do. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death, right? Now, many people pick that and they say, well, see, that's the warfare. You don't have to feel bad. That's what, no, no, it is. Don't understand it as warfare. That's a willful disobedient, willful defeat by choice by a Christian who has the ability to live in the life of the Spirit, but chooses to try to accomplish it through the energy of the flesh until he comes to the end of himself. Count the numbers of the personal pronoun I in chapter 7. I, 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 I. Maybe the Mexicans have something. Ay, ay, ay. And then in chapter 8, they're gone. It's life in the Spirit. I am my biggest problem attempting things in my own abilities, in my own energies, refusing to depend 
on the resurrected life. Paul says, I don't want to find myself in my own righteousness, but in the power of the resurrection in this life. Pastor Xavier Reese and the secret to a successful life, a life that's focused on Jesus Christ. And be sure you tune in next time for the conclusion of this study. But if you won't be able to join in, you can pick up a copy of the complete unedited message on CD for only $4. The title to ask for is Live the Risen Life. And pass on this message to a friend when you're through listening. So once again, the title to ask for is Live the Risen Life. Or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And it's helpful when you mention the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. How much power does sin have over us as believers? That's coming up on the next edition of Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Don't miss it. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 